Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with you, along with my sidekick, my partner in crime. You're, I thought you were my sidekick. Oh, the show's <laughs> over now. Marcus Parks. We're double. Can you be You're double? You're being mean to me. <laughs> oh, don't. Wow. Wow. There's a lot of that going on this week also. A lot of people being mean to each other, Marcus. God, yes. We're going to talk about it. Obviously, we have this big bomb scare. The, there was 10 bombs sent, pipe bombs, mail bombs. Not the most... Um, I know, not the most creative bombs in the world. None of them went off, thank God. Yeah. And uh, no one really knows if they have the full potential of ever going off, but they were sent to 10 critics of Donald Trump, John Brennan, Maxine Waters, uh, the Obamas, the Clintons, George Soros, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and Eric Holder. Eric Holder uh, was sent the bomb originally, but the return address was Debbie Wasserman Schultz. That's a boomerang. <laughs> so that was a boomerang pipe bomb. And, of course, Robert De Niro, his restaurant De Niro's, which I never heard of before. I never had either. Most press they've ever had, <laughs> uh, which is interesting. They were also sent a pipe bomb. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the episode. Why did it happen? The Republicans think it's a really elaborate Democrat plot because you know how like the democrats are so good at doing stuff <laughs> and they're so smart and like they didn't blow anything they've never lost any seats because they're dunces no, no they're genius yes they're criminal masterminds so of course the democrats are the ones who did all of this um so we'll talk about that a little bit later on um also we're going to get to donald trump he embraced the term nationalist for the first time, he says, it's an old-timey word. They don't use it anymore. Nationalism. And that crowd went crazy. And, uh, you know, it was reminiscent of a different era. Yeah, we stopped using around the late 30s, early, early 40s for a reason that escapes me. But, Mr. Parks, why? <laughs> why did we stop using that term? Good grief. And we also have Donald Trump following up on his promise to send military troops down to the border. He is going to send eight to try to impede or stop this so-called caravan coming up now through Mexico. A lot of refugees and migrants coming from Honduras and other uh, really, for all intents and purposes, war-torn countries when yes. you deal with the drug cartels and those kinds of things. These folks are fleeing massive amounts of oppression and just horrible, horrible living conditions. So they think risking a 
Uh, a trip through uh, Mexico and South America is worth it to get to our border. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. What would that confrontation look like? Uh, does it, does the military, uh, whenever you have the military involved, there's always a possibility for things to get violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they are also much more well-equipped to deal with situations like this as well. So who knows what's going to happen? We'll talk about that. And also, uh, Donald Trump that whole thing when you know when you go to a Trump rally and we all we go to everyone. I travel around. <laughs> I go to all the away games and he doesn't come home very much to New York for no. his rallies, surprisingly <laughs> enough. But uh you know when they chant lock her up and mm-hmm. referring to Hillary Clinton, theoretically they're saying lock her up because she used a pri- uh, private email server. And now there's an article in the New York Times, Donald Trump he's using his private phone just his normal, regular, everyday phone, and the Chinese and the Russians—they're listening into all of those phone calls. Which I will say, I would love to hear just Donald Trump talking to Sean Hannity at 9 p.m. <laughs> on the toilet, because you know those conversations are like, "I'm just having my fourth egg of the day. What's going on? What's going on, Donald?" Uh, I mean, I would love to hear uh, what those conversations are like. But again, what is the point of even? trying to uh you know track what donald trump says or or um eavesdrop on donald trump because he just says everything in public anyway maybe the only thing that could come of it is that like he's kind of (laughs) nice that would be the most shocking story that can come from anybody recording donald trump secretly so we're going to talk about that but we want to start with this story going back to what we were talking about last week in the Georgia gubernatorial election. It's Stacey Abrams, by the way. Evidently, I was told this multiple times Mm -hmm. by multiple people. Uh, I I called her Stacey Adams on the last show, so apologies. Stacey Abrams. They'll let Uh, you know. They'll let you know. Yeah. Oh, that's the. I say, don't be mean. You're being mean to me. And they say, I'll let you know. That's the. That's, that's Twitter in a nutshell. Um, so basically, now this story really is crazy. I was on the briefing room with Dana Perino. Uh, what this week, last Tuesday or whatever, talking about the caravan and, you know, obviously talking with a fellow named Charlie Hurt. Who there's a lot of fear mongering when it comes to that, but. After our little television segment, uh, which you can watch on my YouTube channel, Ben Kissel on YouTube, very exciting, um, we were talking about this briefly regarding Brian Kemp. Of course, he is the person who was running against Stacey Abrams, and he is also in charge. He's the uh, Georgia Secretary of State and, again, current GOP gubernatorial candidate. He is the one who is in charge of purging the voting rolls uh, in Georgia, which is such a conflict of interest. We all agreed with it. This is a big story. They're purging anywhere from 50,000 to 56,000, mostly African-American voters because uh, of some small reason why they didn't fill out the paperwork right. Maybe they didn't do their name properly, as we talked about on the last episode. But now it has come out in a recording that Brian Kemp has said things like this. He was at a rally or giving a little speech. He was at Atlanta's Blind Pig Parlor Bar. Because when you're at a bar, don't you love it when a politician shows up and just <laughs> goes into the corner and starts screaming a bunch of crap? Wait a minute. You were just, you've been saying nonstop about how excited you were that you ran into a politician at a bar. He wasn't talking. <laughs> you talk, I, you I talked. You made him talk. I made him talk. See, that's what I. Pulled the string. Yeah. But if it wasn't for me pulling that string, he would have drank his wine and looked sad like he was when we walked in. (laughs) 
This guy shows up. He's given a speech at Atlanta's Blind Pig Parlor Bar. And this is just a couple of quotes from it. He says, Stacey Abrams voter outreach. Uh, if it continues, uh, it concerns us, especially if everybody uses and exercises their right to vote. Mm. Not really a... I don't know if I want my politicians saying something like that, specifically the ones who are in charge of allowing people to have their constitutional right to vote. He goes on to say this about Abrams' campaign. He says that the Abrams' campaign is putting tens of millions of dollars behind the Get Out the Vote campaign, which you would argue if you are running a political campaign, that's a good place to spend money. Yeah. That whole vote thing. Because otherwise... <laughs> Making it sure really, that people can vote. It doesn't matter really otherwise. You know, yeah. it's like you can practice all week long for that Sunday football game, but you got to get on the field mm-hmm. and you got to play. That's right. So, and that's what voting is putting yourself on the field and giving yourself some playing time. He also says um, if everybody uses and exercises their right to vote, which they absolutely can, and mail in those ballots, we've got to get a heavy turnout to offset that. So he does seem to be quite concerned uh, with the Abrams campaign. Again, total conflict of interest. I don't even know how Georgia allowed this to happen. I mean, can you think of something like I I can't think of a comparison when it comes to the politician who is running for a seat, also in charge of the people, uh, of purging people off of the voting yeah, rolls. It's the fox watching the hen house. Oh. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good at all. Yeah, because the fox might not eat the chickens, oh. but, you know, it's the it's the fox is the last person you want looking over the chickens, because it's a pretty good likelihood that the, uh, the fox is going to eat the chickens. Now, what if the chickens are out of line? <laughs> and you need that fox there. Yeah. I need that fox and the chickens get killed because they got out. No, it's it's not. It's just a it's bad crazy. idea. I wouldn't care if it was a Democrat that no. was uh, that was in this position or a Republican that's in this position. Uh, I, there should be rules yes. against this. You know, there are <laughs> not even really laws, just rules against it. Where well, if how, you are if uh, you are in, like you cannot be in a position uh, in which you're you have sway over you know voting records voting like you can't it should be he has to resign a year before yes it's also i mean honestly just human nature he's gonna just subconsciously or consciously he is going to sway the election in his favor yeah because i have a feeling he wants to win yeah I, I do not trust the. Uh, yeah, well, I just I don't mean, even understand be... how Georgia. I don't. I just don't get how this. First of all, I think it should be a bigger story, and second of all, I just don't know how Georgia was like. No one will notice. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it, if if he had to been so blatant about it, then right. maybe nobody would have noticed. Right. Uh, but he was very blatant with his voter suppression uh, efforts, uh, and so people took a closer look because I'm not. I'm sure this isn't even the hundredth time uh, that something that a person who's been in charge of you know voting sure. uh, has also run for a government office, you know, or run for governor. Uh, not just in Georgia, but in every state. In well, the, like I mean, how many you know, like what is it? Uh, what what is his position again? Secretary of State, he... I'm sure that there's been plenty of jumps from Secretary of State to Governor. I'm sure, sure this is not sure. the first time, uh, but this guy actively made efforts uh, to suppress votes from the other side. It doesn't look good, but you know, I'm not sure if Brian Kemp's campaign is going to get out the vote. My understanding is he's talking to drunks. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. He's hanging out at all the bars. He's talking to the drunks. Maybe they give him a free drink ticket or something like that uh, to go and get out the vote in Georgia. But we will definitely be watching that because, uh, again, it's a total conflict of interest. And Stacey Abrams, 
really a very well accomplished person Mm -hmm. and she's polling great and who the heck knows it's going to be extremely close and you know this is why you know living in new york i like new york i love new york love brooklyn but i do miss like a georgia election or like even wisconsin or Mm -hmm. or texas it's closer beto o'rourke by the way has been endorsed now by the houston chronicle and the dallas dallas morning news which uh, my understanding is dallas morning news is a very influential newspaper right it's a a big deal i mean the dallas morning news they did uh endorse hillary clinton uh but you know so did everybody uh Mm. and uh the, Not the with, National Enquirer, Marcus. <laughs> and I only get my political advice from the National Enquirer. Exactly. But the Dallas Morning News is a, a famously conservative newspaper. Mm. Uh, and they've never, uh, they they do not endorse Democrats for Senate. Ever. Okay. Ever, ever. Like, this is, a, this is a big deal for them. So it's a big deal. Yeah. So that is fun. That's fun. That's fun. Because you're in a place where your vote might actually, well, your vote matters here in New York. I don't want to be cynical. No. But it's a bit of a one-party town. It's a one-party town. Texas, your vote absolutely matters. Your vote matters gigantically in this election. I know we got a lot of vote. We got a lot of people out there in Texas, a lot of listeners out there in Texas. Go out and vote. Make your voice heard, man. I'm going to say Texas. You know what it's known for? Steers and beers. Yeah, thank you. For no that. problem. <laughs> Georgia, that it's a that'll that'll be an exciting election to watch because again, your vote does matter. As Bernie Sanders tweeted out, which I hate referencing Twitter at all, but he did mention how when he the first time he uh, ran for mayor of Burlington, uh, he won by ten votes. Yeah. Now, obviously, we're talking a little bit more macro than than mayor of Burlington. But nonetheless, uh, the message is still there. Your votes matter. And as we saw in 2016, I believe, what was it, 1,800 votes, something like that, around Mm -hmm. Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan. So they really do matter, specifically in states like Georgia, which seems to be getting more purple by the day. Yeah. And that's my favorite color in politics is purple. So we will keep an eye on that Georgia election. And again, if you have been purged off the voter rolls, show up and make your voice heard. And dare I say cause a kerfluffle and just make sure that you're allowed to vote but i also understand you're busy you probably got kids and a family and a job and you don't want to waste all your time yelling at a civil servant who is getting i don't even know if they get paid uh the polling people maybe they get paid maybe it's volunteer i understand that could be a colossal pain in the ass but it seems like it it's worth it in georgia uh big big things at stake there yeah and if you have to uh if you have to work on tuesday uh on voting day uh if you know you're gonna have have to work and you know your boss is gonna be a dickhead about it and is not gonna let you go to the polls that's not legal sir (laughs) but uh check out how absentee balloting works in your uh state because here in new york city we're gonna be in texas uh during the week of voting uh so we checked it out online, and uh, we're going to have to go to uh, the some offices in downtown Brooklyn and pick up our absentee ballots. We checked it out online, and uh, there they actually have a lot of options uh, for going and getting your absentee ballot, at least here in Brooklyn. I know they're going to be open all day Saturday. Brooklyn is pretty uh, pretty good about that. And, yeah. and then, of course, right after that, Marcus and I are going to go to Junior's and get some <laughs> cheesecake. Oh, yeah, man. I'm not sure if we'll 
were going to make the band, but that's okay. <laughs> that's an old P. Diddy reality show reference, and once again, I'm 37 years old. Uh, but I know a lot of other states uh, make it extremely difficult oh, yes, they do. Uh, to vote uh, because well, they don't. Well, folks are already waiting in line for hours. Yeah. Already. And, yeah, and they, they do not want you to vote because uh, they know that if you do vote, then they will be voted out of office, and they have made it very difficult <clears throat> for you to vote. And just remember, if the people in power do not want you to vote, then they should not be in power. And you know that that was again. We don't relitigate 2016 anymore. But that that, that happened in the primaries. Yeah. Uh, with the Dems, and it was it was a big blow. It, it I think it backfired. Hugely. Dramatically, Gigantically. yes. Gigantically. I mean, yes, you can definitely go check out the archives and, and hear us being real pissed off about not being able to vote in the New York primary. And now we have a president who says globalists. You know, they say globalists. They, that's people who like the globe. <laughs> I'm just happy he didn't become a flat earther. <laughs> when he said who that, knows? I was... <laughs> there, I'm sure there are some beliefs that he had that he... he uh, like, who knows? Maybe, maybe it is flat. I don't know. I've I, never seen it. I think that we could get him there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we could get Trump yeah. to be a flat earther. Yeah, but just, just remember that. If they, if the people in power are making it difficult for you to vote, then that means that they are scared of you. Right. Uh, and you should never have a government that is scared of its people and scared of what its people actually want. Uh, they're doing Although it. A, 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 go, a good government that's scared of its people. I also like that. <laughs> uh, but that what that means is uh, they are doing things that are not in your best interest. They are doing things that are in their best interest yep. or are in their donor's best interest. Uh, if they do not want you to vote, then they do not have your best interest in mind because if they did have your best interest in mind, then they would make it easy for you to vote. Uh, so remember that. Just I've heard, remember that. I've heard it's about the money. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I don't believe it. Oh, yeah. Well, don't let them fuck you over. Don't let them... Don't. Do not let them fuck you over and do not let them prevent you from exercising your God-given right That's to vote. That's right. And we say exercise. You don't got to vote on a treadmill. <laughs> it's not that difficult. If it was, I wouldn't encourage anyone to do it. No. Um, all right. So let's move on here. So Trump is expected to send 800 troops to secure the border. The Department of Homeland Security has requested an additional troops for the U.S. border as a migrant caravan approaches and reports are that 800 personnel could be deployed. The troops are likely to go, likely going to be active duty, but a final determination has not yet been made, nor has the exact number uh, been sent out yet officially. The troops are expected to be in place by the end of the month. The news of 800 troops was first reported uh, by CNN earlier Thursday. Trump tweeted that he was bringing out the military to stop people from crossing the southern border into the U.S. The president has, has referred to the border situation as a national emergency. It is uh, it, it, this whole thing, by the way, we're, we're just a, we're around 12 days out, 10 days out, just over a week out of the midterms. This whole caravan, I you know, first of all, this whole idea that the Democrats funded it again, they don't they don't have nearly the amount of ability. They don't have the they don't have the talent to do no, it. No, of course and not. Number two, if they did, uh, this would not be the best political timing. Real bad right, political timing. Right. In fact, the worst political timing. Yeah, I mean, just wait until November seventh and then send them in. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So don't believe that lie. That's just something that Trump says, and that's the 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 meat for the base. And they they gobble up anything, and they think it's good. And f quite 
frankly, uh, I blame uh, Steak and Shake for that. Uh, <laughs> it's a Steak and Shake culture. I've had a Steak and Shake one time in, mm-hmm. in Illinois. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm not, not even good. sure if it was steak. <laughs> but the the caravan it looks horrible i understand it looks it looks like people are coming to invade our nation this is how people are framing it and that's how it's being framed specifically by the right specifically by uh, fox news there's a lot of fear mongering on this and so don't believe everything that you're seeing you know with the way that the, the television news channels frame it they're not coming uh, to destroy our nation again these are refugees They all know they're going to be detained. Even being detained in the United States is better uh, than living in the places that they're coming from, which is something that that's the that's the root of the problem. That's the that is what we have to fix. I don't know how we do that as a nation. The crisis that's going on in places that they're fleeing from are very real. And as we've talked about before, it might as well be. It might as well be Syria or Iraq. Those places that they live are war-torn countries. So they know they're going to be detained here. And the question is, how do we deal with this? As a nation, we are, first of all, we've got a lot of landmass. We have 330 million people. We have jobs that need to be filled. There needs to be a path to citizenship. We need to get these people documented on the radar and paying taxes. That will create a boom for the economy. It'll help employers who everyone talks about how, as it was on, again, the daily briefing with with Charlie Hurt, he's talking, he, he has the same line that you hear over and over and over again about how they're taking the American jobs. Americans can fill these positions, but let's just be honest. They're not doing it. No. Are you, would you do it? Like answer that question. Honestly, someone on uh, my Instagram after I posted something about the job statistics was like, well, if I didn't have a job, I'd go work anywhere that anyone offered. Like, really? Yeah. Come on, man. Are you sure? Like we all want to pretend like that. that like, you know, when I first got here uh, in New York, I was a bar back. I was a bouncer, occasionally a bartender until they realized I didn't own a bartend. I took any job I could possibly get. So I do understand uh, when your back's against the wall, you need to get a job. But I'm telling you, those jobs, there's an abundance of bar backing jobs. There's an abundance of positions. And the the idea that this 6,000 caravan of migrants is going to be taking every job in the United States that you want it's it's just not true and it's totally asinine. But right now we have a situation where when they do come here, they will be detained. There's nowhere. There is nothing. There's no doors open. There's no windows open. There's nothing that we can do with them other than detain and deport. So now all we've done is spent money on detaining them and spent money on deporting them. And again, have gotten nothing in return, yeah. such as their labor. And at some point, their taxes. Yeah, and spent money on sending 800 troops. And down, spent, yeah, exactly. Right. Spending so, money on that. Spending money on a wall. You know, which but haven't heard about the wall in a while. It's a, such a political loser. Yeah, this, I was talking about. The, it, it's not happening. No, it's, it's one just of the not, things it's that never going to happen. It's one of the things that Donald Trump has promised and didn't do. Yeah. And so I don't even know why he ever mentions it anymore. Because in my opinion, it's an indication of political failure. But nonetheless, he still brings it up because people like to chant, "Build the wall." Yeah, they love it. They love to chant it. But I mean. I mean, this is okay. Let me break down what an immigrant's life is for you. At least maybe an immigrant here in New York City. Uh, you know, the immigrants that work the busboy jobs, that work the barback jobs. I mean, 
these people coffee and it, shops, you and name it, it. Yeah, and it may not just be here in New York or even like you know like farm you know migrant workers on farms. Like these people, uh, first of all, uh, they do not get paid a living wage because the farmers who employ them or the restaurants that employ them uh, cannot afford to pay them a living wage. Uh, and so because they do not pay live a living wage, and I'm saying this to the people that say I would take the job if I had a uh, if I had the opportunity if my back was against the wall I would take that job uh, you've got these people live what seven eight nine people to a two-bedroom apartment yeah a lot I of mean, times they come in as, as families or, or groups of friends like that so yeah and then again because they're under the radar uh, they do un- oftentimes get paid with cash and stuff like that. That's yeah. why they're often in service industry jobs yeah, or farm jobs. Exactly. Uh, and this is not a life that most Americans will like. They, it's not that they can live. They won't live it. Like, well, I mean, it's just it's not. It's, these are not jobs that they are taking from you because it's not it's not about jobs. Even, it's but, never about it's never been about jobs, taking our jobs. At even all. if they did want to take a job, for example, as I mentioned in the last episode, 24 percent of hospitality. Uh, maids and things like that. Th- those are undocumented workers. The other 76% are still documented people in this country. And those can be, you know, they, they don't have to just, they can be first generation, whatever, but they're documented. What I am saying is there are jobs, there are plenty of jobs. Yes. That's that's all. There are a, t- there are a ton um, of jobs to have. And the, and, and the people here in uni- the United States, you know, b- American citizens, like American born citizens uh, are not going to work those jobs. It's not that I, they don't want to work those jobs they're just not going to do it it's just not going to happen i don't yeah the farm labor especially you know out there in the fields all that stuff but farm uh, labor is horrific work it's awful awful work and undocumented workers are half of that labor force so the other half again are documented so um i understand there are people that that are documented that work those jobs and that is very good but as our economy continues to increase all we're doing right now, we're wasting, we're just leaving money on the table, which is not the art of the deal as far as I understand it. No. All we're doing is spending the money on detention and then spending the money on deporting, and we're not getting anything in return, such as labor, new workers, and eventually, relatively quickly, I know what the government can do well, collect taxes. Yeah. I and mean, that's, this, that would be a boom for the economy, or at the very least, uh, something that is beneficial. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel here for Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptocurrency all commission-free. Robinhood knows that the stock market can be intimidating, but they are all about making financial services work for everyone, for people like you and for people like me, not just the wealthy. Robinhood helps you learn how to invest while you build your portfolio. Robinhood even gave me some stocks to try out their app and web platform, and they really did give me a better handle on investing. They have easy-to-understand charts and market data, and you can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. The app and web platform is simple and intuitive, and they present the data you need to know in a really easy-to-digest way. I especially liked their custom notifications for price movements and their personalized news feed. Robinhood made it easy for me to discover new stocks and track the companies I'm interested in. Plus, unlike other more traditional brokerages that can charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at tophat.robinhood.com. That's tophat.robinhood.com. 
The logic does not follow that it's all about jobs. The logic follows that it's about no more brown people. It's fear-mongering. It's fear-mongering, to say the least, and that is intentional. That is very intentional. So the troops will not be in riot gear. This is the 800 troops going down to the border, perhaps 800. That's what they speculate. But will be behind the scenes providing logistical support to customs and border protection officers. There are currently 2,100 National Guard members working along the border to support border authorities. There will also be medical personnel sent to the border as well to provide uh, support. So, uh, they're about a thousand miles away now. This caravan, it's looking, I don't know exactly how long that will take. A thousand miles, I believe they're mostly, it, it seems to be a relatively slow moving uh, caravan with, with all those thousands of people. So I'm not sure exactly when they're going to hit our border, uh, but that's going to be something that is going to be difficult. It's it, Being president is not easy, and these decisions are not easy. And how do you handle this in a humane way? We can't, we don't. You know, this isn't that Jack Black movie where he invented a vaporizer. There's no way to make these large situations disappear. No. They're, I mean, this is what it is. They are coming. And how are we going to handle it? That's it. Sometimes, uh, you know, when you're a president, oftentimes when you're a president, there's no perfect solution. There's nothing you can do about reality. And this is a reality. They're coming. What are we going to do? Uh, again, I think that we could use something such as a path to citizenship, be reasonable, be rational, and get these people working uh, for the American people and get them, again, uh, contributing to the economy. And as we see with many first-generation, I would first-generation immigrants as being uh, my father is one and uh, our friend Sina from the brighter side, uh, obviously his parents coming from Iran, everyone that I know with first-generation parents our parents are so patriotic. Yeah. It's it's kind of annoying to the point where it's like, I don't think you're allowed to wear American flag underwear. And they're like, <laughs> I only wear American flag apparel. You yeah. know that. Socks, underwear, shirts, hats. They just love this country. And that's patriotic, and, not nationalistic. Two well, very different things. Really different things. Uh, because they love this country for its freedoms or the brand of freedom <laughs> that, of course, we're striving to live up to on a daily basis. So we'll keep following that story and uh, letting you guys uh, know our thoughts on the caravan that is rolling its way up uh, to our southern border. And hopefully uh, this administration has a plan in place. But as we've seen time and time again, they just kind of fly by the seat of their pants and um, and hope everything works out. And in situations like this, it's very easy that they don't. Yeah. So it's scary stuff. Um, all right. So now let's talk about this. This is a, again, gearing up to the election. Donald Trump, his entire political life has been predicated on anger um, uh, and pointing at the others fear. and saying, fear, why are you here? Look at that other. And now we have a situation where the transgender community is really in the crosshairs of this administration because they see it as a political winner. We already saw this previously when Donald Trump, out of nowhere, uh, decided to dismiss active military members who were transgender. Again, those people are serving our country. They love our country. And we need people uh, in the military, specifically in our volunteer military, that want to be there. And it was my understanding that they did. And uh, it was unfortunate, to say the least, what happened with, his administ with this administration's policy towards transgender in the military. Now, 
He seems to be taking this one step further. This is in a leaked memo. It suggested the Trump administration wants to create a legal definition of sex. And now the legal definition of sex would be a biological immutable condition determined by genitalia at birth. This, for all intents and purposes, eradicates the term or the meaning of transgender. What Basically what it is is you don't have the right to transition uh, male to female, female to male. You are what you you are what your birth certificate says. So you don't get, you know, for example, you you just wouldn't be able to live life as the gender that you believe you were born with. This is one of those, again, created out of the ether. No reason for this to be something that the government has any control over or say over. This is where, you know, libertarianism and Donald Trump do not. There is no Venn diagram here. And that's why it aggravates me to know to no end that libertarians and I think a lot of them have fallen off, but some are still there and maybe they lost their libertarian roots or something. But this is something. Why the hell is the government going in and telling people Uh, and deciding for these people what their gender is. And again, this is not an issue. No. This has not been, no one has been extremely, um, no one, it's it's not a public service issue. It's not, we're not in danger of anything. This is not for public safety. This is simply something that Donald Trump sees as a political winner for his radical, in this case, specifically evangelical right base. And again, there's no coincidence on timing here, just outside the midterm. He needs to give him something. Like, he has to give the evangelicals something. What What with his, like, horror, horrific morality, uh, his just absolute lack of morality. I mean, is it, it's not even bad morality. It's it crazy. a complete and total lack of morality. So he needs to give them something to to make it worth it for them. Like, to make it worth uh, this, uh, to make it worth them having someone who is completely and totally immoral in charge for them to support them. Uh, I, th- once again, as it is with, with everything transgender, I, I don't get it. Like, we have a I, lot of transgender listeners. We have a lot of transgender friends. I, uh, yeah, I don't, it I, is, I, it's, it, it, I, I don't get why it matters. Like, I, I don't get why they care. You know, I, I really, I just, I will never, ever get why they care and why it's such a big deal to them and why it bothers them so much. I just don't get it. I mean, and you know, I, I think if you, I, I don't think the Trump administration really does care. No. Uh, like this is a, it's another social wedge issue, but you know, like this is the type of shit. These are the types of laws that get passed in Saudi Arabia. Right. Like these are not, these are not American laws. This is not uh, the American way of life. You know, th- this is about as far okay. away uh, from, you know, the government being out of your life as you can get. This is Absolutely. the government. This is the government literally defining your life for you and telling you that you have no legal recourse otherwise. This right. is the definition of the government being in the middle of your business. So apparently during the Obama administration, Congress and federal agencies came down on the side of civil rights uh, for transgender and gender nonconforming people building on years of court decisions. This proposal seeks to undermine all of those uh, protections. So it came out 
Um, and what? so what would this actually mean for transgender people? According to the American medical community, it currently recognizes a distinction between sex, a classification based on bodily characteristics, internal and external, and gender, the socially constructed roles as behaviors typically ascribed to men and women. So that's a little, so gender is your, that's that's the culture. That's how we've deci- decided uh, male and female when it comes to just culture in general, clothing, whatever it might be. And then sex is uh, when it comes down to genitalia. But if you change this, then you also will have a situation where there'll be a lot of transgender people who won't legally be allowed once again, to adapt to their new lifestyle and have all the protections that would be needed uh, for them to do so. So it, again, it's just, it does not make any sense whatsoever. And um, I just, I got a lot of uh, DMs from transgender listeners this past week and they feel uh, scared and they feel like this is uh, a situation that kind of came not out of nowhere. Again, going back to the military transgender ban, which that came out of freaking nowhere. So they know for a fact, they've known for a while that Donald Trump and his administration are not friendly to the LGBT community, despite the fact, and this is why it's so, you know, I, I don't know if anyone believed it or not, but when Donald Trump was giving his speech, I believe when he was uh, accepting the nomination, he talked about the LGBT. He even mentioned added the Q community. He's a New Yorker. He's been around. New York is a extremely diverse place. New York City, extremely diverse so sad for me to see this guy turn his back on. You know he knows people who are transgender. Of course. Uh, this is a, a open-minded society here. And uh, so it's even more of a slap in the face uh, to the people that he knows here in New York and the people that have known him forever here in New York. And it is obvious that he's listening to the Tony Perkins of the world, of the Family Research Council, and the James Dobsons of the world, of the Focus on the Family cabal. And this is uh, more of a political, uh, a politi- he, he believes it's a political win to get that religious right fired up once again before the midterms. And that is it. And, you know, the religious right, they, um, extre- they, they, When it comes to LGBT rights, and this is why, you know, growing up with two gay older brothers, having extremely religious parents, that whole thing was so much more intense than it needed to be. Many houses would be like, okay, sure, uh, I don't know, whatever, (laughs) Uh, that's all good. Um, But the way that the religious right despises the LGBT community, it can't be understated. So they're going to be happy with this decision, and they're going to uh, get out their base, and Donald Trump knows where his bread is buttered. And the one thing you can say about the evangelical community is they get out to vote. Yes. And they are dedicated, and they are um, always motivated by issues like this, social issues, which is something, again, that the government shouldn't even be it shouldn't even deal with but that's the politics of our time where social issues seem to be one of the more galvanizing factors when it comes to uh getting out the vote and it works for the left as well um as they're you know specifically the the women's movement right now we're seeing a huge uptick in female voting and a huge uptick in uh in women involvement and running for office and stuff like that but when it comes to this from the right it's nothing but mean-spirited and uh, so solely political, and it's like he doesn't even care. There are real lives on the line no. when uh, he discusses these things. All he sees uh, is a potential victory 
Tuesday, November 6th. So, you know, my hearts are going out to you, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well. Things will get better. I mean, you know, as uh, all the court decisions and, you know, all the uh, previous presidential decisions, Donald Trump's not going to be there forever. Yeah. And we just have to hope that we can right this ship and correct the uh, the ship here when it comes to uh, when it comes to transgender rights, because I, they're under attack right now and there's just no denying it. And Donald Trump knows it. And he thinks it's a political winner because the society is made up of roughly one to two percent. They say is transgender. So look at that. Just a, such a bully move. Yeah. Pick pick on the pick on the smallest group of people uh, that you possibly can. Galvanize support against them, and then hopefully you win. And in Donald Trump's not defense, but in his mind, he's seen it work before. Yes. Birtherism, all these things. It works for him, so he's going to keep on doing it. And he has no morality, no moral compass, so he doesn't uh, have a hard time sleeping at night. Other than the diet cokes, <laughs> which they do have caffeine in them, doesn't work. I mean, it, it, the thing is, it's worked for him, and it's worked for the Republican Party uh, for years. I mean, and it's worked for the Republican Party for decades, actually, uh, because they're. Fiscal policies, uh, people didn't want them. They didn't work. Uh, it wasn't until like Nick, when Nixon came in, Nixon came in with social policies. He came in with reverse everything, turn it all around. Uh, and and they also... <laughs> I'm just thinking about Nixon like dancing at a, at a hoedown or something. Reverse everything, turn it all around. Reverse it all, turn it around. This is a really weird square dance. Is, is Richard Nixon emceeing this thing? Yeah, and, and then you also saw with the Southern, you know, it's the Southern so, strategy. Absolutely. You know, it's Divide. like... It's, all about division and uh, and it's all about social issues. Uh, it's not about uh, bringing people together. It's not about finding what's best for the country. It's about winning the election. And you know, of course, the Democrats do the same thing. Uh, but the Republicans tend to be uh, a little more transparent about it. And they also the tactics that uh, that the Republicans use uh, tend to destroy people. It tends to sow division and it tends to sow anger, violence, hatred. Right. Well, that's what that's their bread and butter, and it has been their bread and butter uh, for a very, very long time. When the Democrats are at their best, they they unite, and I hope we can get to that message. Or the Democratic Party, I hope they can get to that message of uniting soon, maybe mm -hmm. after these midterms, because I understand rage and anger are one thing. Got to channel it in the right direction, and I think a a message of unity at this point is going to be really refreshing. Yeah. And I think it could work, well, there's um, as a, we're seeing with some candidates uh, that are running right now. Well, there was just uh, this week an opportunity for a message of unity, uh, and it did not take. All right. Well, let's talk about the pipe bombs, and then we'll talk about Donald Trump using a private phone. Again, the irony could not be uh, more real. Okay, so... Uh, first of all, the pipe bombs, they were sent to 10 people, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, John Brennan, that was sent to the CNN offices. And it was kind of crazy because, you know, HLN and CNN, they're in the same building. So mm -hmm. I'm there all the time, at least once a week. And I usually would do a hit during that time. A part of me was a little bit bummed. I didn't get, I never, I never <laughs> been like, you got to leave the building. There's oh, a bomb. Because oh. you know what I would have done? I'll defuse that bomb. <laughs> Don't even worry about it, person in the hazmat suit. Um, so John Brennan, that was sent to the CNN offices. This bomb, uh, apparently it had, uh, what was it, ricin? Was it ricin in there? Anthrax. Anthrax. It had anthrax. Uh, and 
evidently it had the potential to explode. That's what they said. They also sent it to former President Barack Obama's office in Washington, D.C. They sent it to George Soros's home in uh, up here in New York, Hillary and Bill Clinton's home in Chappaqua. Evidently, Bill Clinton was home uh, doing God knows what in the basement, just sitting on a leather couch. I have no idea what Bill Clinton does alone in his house. <laughs> I would assume there's a lot of sitting on a nice leather couch yeah. and then mumbling. I, I, actually, I don't know what he does anymore. I actually do picture him naked on a leather couch. Yeah. I could, I could, just staring into the middle distance. Right, yeah. right. Maybe just watching his first State of the Union. Huh. Oh, three strike. His first state of the union. It's infuriating. Yes. A little too conservative for my liking on criminal justice. That's for damn sure. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was also targeted uh, in kind of a roundabout way. That pipe bomb was sent to former Attorney General Eric Holder, and the return address was Debbie Wasserman Schultz's office in Sunrise, Florida. So it went back, kind of boomeranged back to her. And then uh, two of them, I believe, were sent to uh, Representative Maxine Waters' office in Washington, D.C. That was one of them. And then the second one was at her office in Los Angeles. And of course, then Robert De Niro and his restaurant, which to me, that's kind of the outsider one. I don't even think like as far as Hollywood actors go, I know Robert De Niro is no fan of Trump, but is he like the is he the loudest? I think he is. It would be between him and Alec Baldwin. What about Jim Carrey? Uh, Jim Carrey's all over the place. About yeah, but Jim Carrey does Hollywood. paintings, and this doesn't seem like the type of. It doesn't seem like a painting person that's in all these. So you're. So how do you decide if you, if you're going to decide to mail a pipe bomb to a celebrity that doesn't like Trump? Uh huh. Pick a celebrity. Well, I would say you would that, go with. I mean, there's li- every one of them except for Vince Vaughn, who uh, might like him. He's a Republican. Doesn't mean he likes Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, Kid Rock, who's not an actor. Who's in a, uh Tim Allen. Well, Tim Allen. Well, you think about uh, as far as who, which anti-Trump celebrity was covered mo- is covered most by Fox News or covered most by the uh, conservative like the conservative right-wing media right. I would say that Robert De Niro gets the most coverage because remember really? yeah the whole Tony's thing they went fucking oh, nuts that's right the, the Tony. Tony's thing that's what it is it's all about the Tony's thing uh, right. because that was what the conservative media went craziest about uh, yeah, was okay, him that's doing right. the Tony's thing like you just have you just have to look you make the connection between what who and Trump also talked about Robert De Niro didn't he the, I don't um, I think you know, I haven't I'm heard. I'm pretty De Niro. sure he did a tweet about Robert De Niro. Okay, like maybe he tweeted about it. Low energy Robert De Niro, or I don't know. Well, he's got a lot of energy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. He okay. said so, something stupid about him, uh, but don't quote me on that because I don't want someone to say that I'm making shit up about Trump. I'm, I'm sure just you can find a tweet. I'm, I'm sure. sure you can find a tweet somewhere, but it's you know it says something that I don't even know if the president of the United States talked shit about an actor, but it seems likely that he did. Oh, yeah. He gets into quite <laughs> a few like petty feuds. In public, you know, like it's it says a lot that that's just a that's a possibility. Uh, but if you if you look, I mean, these are people that are regularly vilified by the conservative media and regularly vilified by Donald Trump. Right, of course. So it seems like all of these devices came from the same source, whether it be a group of people or one person, who knows, um, because they are similar pipe bombs. And this isn't, we're not talking uh, Unabomber here. This yeah. guy did not, This is. these are not the most uh, articulate pipe bombs whatsoever. One of the interesting things about the one that was delivered at CNN and their offices there in Columbus Circle, a nice little studio, but uh, really difficult. They have... 
they have some pretty good security there. And then, of course, you got to go up five floors to get to the studio. The the idea that would that it would actually hurt the people that they wanted to hurt and not going to happen. But who would actually get hurt is the people who or at the Clintons' house who look through their mail to make sure everything's fine. I don't think <laughs> you always sent these really is all that bright. No, because it doesn't like the Obamas don't go to their mailbox every day and like <laughs> they're like what do we have here? It's like it's a bit of a different lifestyle for them at this point. Yeah. Uh, along with all of these individuals, so the idea that they would ever these packages would ever actually be in the hands of the people that they were sent to, pretty far-fetched. Mm-hmm. But again, if we are dealing with someone who would send out 10 pipe bombs, maybe they're not all there in the head. Who the heck knows? The pipe bomb that was delivered to CNN, initially some people said, oh, I see the ISIS flag. We see some ISIS imagery. But it's not ISIS imagery on this flag. It's, okay, so just Google the pipe bomb CNN mudflap girls. It's the mudflap girls that you'll see from, you know, when you pass a truck or whatever. They got the, the Two, the ladies, uh, La- la- lounging ladies, lounging ladies. Yeah. That's right. They're just missing a lazy chair, but it's the lounging ladies. And one lady, uh, <laughs> kind of between them with her arms above her head. And then in mildly Arabic looking font, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, it says get her done, mm. uh, channeling his inner Larry, the cable guy, which is probably the first person we should be talking to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, perhaps Larry, the cable guy has become an extremist. We don't know. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I'm just joking. Not maligning uh, Larry the Cable Guy. He's making his money. You know, he was just a character comedian. Yeah. And Larry the Cable Guy was his final character. And then his and he was a vegan at yeah. the time. And then his manager was like, you're Larry the Cable Guy now. And I will say he leaned in. Yeah. And of course, and also, did you know, like, Kid Rock grew up in a mansion. He isn't exactly, he doesn't have lyrics of like, it's been hard on me financially. Uh, bow to bow, is, that's what you say when you're rich. I think he did actually make quite a few claims about coming from the trailer park in Devil Without a Cause. Oh, Guys. yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's he right. He grew up in a mansion, like on a, it's like, it was like huh. a horsey ranch. A horse ranch? <laughs> yeah. No, I would say more like horsey ranch. It wasn't like super rough. It was, uh, he grew up very wealthy. Huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. 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 You know, He's Kid bit, Rock is bit just of a Connecticut George W. Bush type of no guy. No kid, yeah. huh? Uh-huh. Damn it, man. Uh, now yeah. it's it's Kid. I still love. I just want. I love fat Kid Rock. Yeah. I just want to party with Kid Rock. I don't. I won't drink those Heinekens that he sang about. Yeah. But all my Bud Lights. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> all right. So the pipe bombs were sent. Uh, they have this uh, again. These mudflap girls or the late the lounging ladies. It says get her done on there. We don't have enough information yet. The police suspect perhaps this is what they're telling us. So who knows if this changes that the bombs originated from the sunshine state of Florida. Uh, that's what they're saying. And again, so the conservative right. They really love due process in these cases. Yeah. They love due process. Not when it comes to the West Memphis 3 or the CP5 or a series of other people that they just assume to be guilty immediately uh, because they don't like the cut of their jib. In these cases, they want to get all the facts uh, before they pass any kind of rational assessment. Anytime that there's a possibility that a white man could be blamed. Oh, yeah. Due process. Got to have it. No. No. White guy. No. No. No way. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Let's re- like, 
why don't we all just reserve judgment for a little bit? Let's put, put the brakes a little bit. Why don't we just reserve judgment until everyone's forgotten about the story, <laughs> and then we just don't talk about it ever again. Yeah, then we'll move on. So, um, so the, yes, they speculate it could have come from Florida. Some people believe, or they also speculated that these didn't go through the traditional mail, um, that they were delivered by courier. So... It'll just I think be the a, one to CNN was actually delivered by courier. That's what they say yeah. at this point. So it seems like with all the cameras around, specifically in New York City, if it was delivered by courier, that's what they're saying. Uh, they'll be able to trace that back. It'll just take a little bit of time to connect, kind of connect the spider web here and put all the pieces together. Who knows if we'll ever find out who it was. I would assume that we would. But you go back to those early. I don't know if you remember when the Obama, during the Obama administration, all the anthrax that was being sent to Washington. They never found out who did that. No, they didn't. Which is, yeah, it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. how someone could get, just get away with that, specifically in this day and age. Obviously, technology wasn't quite to the point that it is now. Uh, yeah, that was almost 20 years ago. Like the when, one, they, when they sent it to uh, the White House right after 9-11. George W. Bush's wife. White House. Yeah, George W. Bush is what they didn't find out that person either. Like, nope. it, it's so gee, this has gone on for a very long time. Yes, and I don't was it a real? I don't know if it was real anthrax it or was if it was real was anthrax. It real? Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely real anthrax that got sent to the George W. Bush uh, White House and the Obama White House. Also, had apparently it's a pastime for some people. Yeah, I, I don't know. They like to real. send anthrax. And again, if I, I don't know. If you are thinking about doing that, I'm assuming you're not because you're good people. But you'll never get to your target. No. It's just, it's the same way as we- You're just going to kill secretaries. You're just going to hurt, exactly. You're going to hurt people in a mail room who are just trying to scrape by and get through this life until they can retire or get through their job until they can retire in 25 years and go out to Hawaii or something or to the wonderful beaches of South Carolina. So please don't do that. That's the same thing we think about or I think about all the time when we talk about the rioters, uh, when Trump was in, at the Trump inauguration. I understand a lot of the rage, um, but you're breaking windows of a Starbucks. Uh, you know, uh, Howard Schultz isn't there to clean it up. I yeah. promise you that. Or McDonald's. These, It's just a poor janitor who has to come in and uh, and clean up your mess. And he might even agree with you or she might even agree with you in theory on some things, but they're probably not going to be too turned on to your political cause when you force them to clean up a bunch of trash that you decided to throw all over the street. But I also understand there's a lot of anger. But how do we do that? How do we solve it? Vote. November 6th vote. So that's the that's how it's supposed to be done. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Software Advice. We all need a little advice sometimes, especially those of us who own businesses. Sure, I might need more advice on fixing soundboards or researching aliens than you do, but that doesn't mean we don't all need people to turn to when we've got a problem on our hands. That's why I have to tell you about my go-to guys over at Software Advice. When it comes to picking the right software for your business, Software Advice has done all the research for you. They've got a team of advisors who will point you in the right direction so you can focus on working more effectively right away. And best of all, it's absolutely free. Just go to softwareadvice.com slash Abe and answer a couple quick questions about your business. You'll be connected with one of their great advisors to connect the best software options for your needs. Talking to an advisor takes just 10 minutes or less. So whatever you do from construction, medicine, HR, you name it, Software advice will save you time and help you make a more informed decision. And if you're an entrepreneur like me or you work solo, software advice is a great way to get an expert opinion, even without the resources of a big company. These experts are ready to be your on-call go-to team to help you figure out business software in minutes for free. Why wouldn't you start here? 
End the software struggle today. Go to softwareadvice.com slash Abe to get started. That's softwareadvice.com slash Abe to connect with an advisor for free. Softwareadvice.com slash Abe. That's what we know right now. Uh, when it comes to this, we know it could have come from Florida. We know the targets. Uh, again, the right is saying this is an elaborate left-wing plot. And then reasonable. Basically, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, um, it is it is indeed a pipe bomb. Yeah, so I mean, this, it's fa- the false flag narr- narrative that is uh, all that it was was immediately put immediately. forth by the the right. I mean, it's it's sickening. I mean that that to me is a it's that is a. Uh, such a harmful way uh, to b- approach this and it also, it shows their true intentions. It shows that they don't give a fuck about people. Uh, they don't care what happens to actual human beings. All they care about is winning because <clears throat> they could have very easily come out. The the right wing media and Donald Trump, they could have come right out and said like, hey, listen, so it seems like things are getting a little bit out of hand sure. here. Why don't we all pull back a little bit? Why don't we all pull back and let's have like rational conversations with each other and try to figure out what's going on in this country? Because this is obviously, I mean, this is a bridge too far, people. I mean, th- this is this is absolutely you know, awful, you know. And and that's the thing; they don't even have to take responsibility for it. They don't have to say, they don't have to come out and say like, okay, we take responsibility for this. Republicans take responsibility for this. They don't have to take responsibility for this. All they all they need to say is like, hey, listen, everyone. This is proof that things have gone way way too too far, that things have gone way too far here. We need to all sit down and actually talk to each other Mm. about what's going on before things get really bad, before something really awful happens and a lot of people end up losing their lives. But instead, what we get is more of the same. We get people screaming false flag. We get Trump blaming the media for this, which, by the way, Trump blaming the media for this, total abuser's tactic. I mean, that this is exactly, I mean, because the man is a narcissist, the man is an abuser, because what he's telling the media, essentially what he's telling them, if you didn't complain, if you if you just shut up and did what I told you to do, right. I wouldn't have to hit you. Right. I, I, you wouldn't have to be mm-hmm. hit. You wouldn't be beat right now if you just shut up and didn't complain and just went along, went along with what I said, what I want you to do. Right. This this is your fault. Sad analogy, but accurate. Yeah, uh, and of course, you know, to be fair, there were some. Jeff Flake came out, and there were there were Republican politicians. Other Donald Trump, he read a a speech on the White House lawn. He kind of checked off the boxes that a president should check off when it comes to unity, but then he just went right down to do a rally, and it was it was the it was same Charlottesville all over again. It was the same old. It was this. It, yeah, basically. Um, so, but there were a lot of politicians on both sides being like, yeah, let's, let's chill out with the rhetoric. Again, we're referring mostly to, um, Rush Limbaugh and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity. They're going to have an elaborate excuse uh, for why this wasn't, uh, a Republican, uh, messaging fault. This wasn't the po- This wasn't a issue with rhetoric. This was an issue with somehow uh left-wing propaganda which again yeah. uh, just propaganda false flag you just know, look that, at just think reasonably about it and and we'll figure out i mean ho- we'll get the answers um but at the same time we also have this situation with steve scalise who was shot and they would have there would have been that would have been a massacre but you know if you didn't blame all of the democrats for that you can't blame all of the republicans for this but when it comes to these pundits trying to deflect 
any kind of responsibility for their words and for their rhetoric, that's abhorrent. And we have to, as Marcus just said, um, just tone it down a little bit in Washington. And tone it down. You know, I they mean, just have these. It's more like, than a little bit. Trump calls for violence constantly. Yeah. He calls for violence. And just a few days ago, he probably. After the bombs were already sent out, but he's uh, in Montana and he's praising the guy who uh, body slammed the reporter. Montana, I believe it might have been Wyoming. Yeah, it was or Wyoming it Mon- or Montana, Montana or Wyoming. One of those, yes, uh, the, in, the, in that general the area of the country. I mean, we the talked guy who about won. This. Yes, yes. Uh, the guy who won and kind of sort of apologized afterwards. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Trump, you know, and he, in, in rallies, he constantly says, rough him up. Uh, he constantly says, I'll pay for your legal bills. Yeah, I'll pay for Which your legal bills. Which he won't, bills. by the way. I promise <laughs> no. you he will not. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Can you not. imagine? sending him an invoice be like i was charged five thousand dollars for abuse uh for for batteries like i don't think that check is going to get there you have a better chance of getting the pipe bomb through as a matter of fact than getting a <laughs> invoice to donald trump yeah and, and you know it, it is you know it's like you say like you walk like a duck you talk like a duck you know the like trump and again you know i'm I guess maybe I'm being a little hypocritical right now, saying that we all need to sit down and talk to each other, and in the you know turning right around and saying that you know Donald Trump permits these types of things, uh, but he absolutely does. You know, well, he, he absolutely does, and, his... and he could have. And but that's the other thing that I'm saying is that he could look at this and say, "Oh fuck, I I am I am somewhat responsible for this." Like Donald Trump, I he wouldn't could. say that all Republicans are uh, completely responsible for this, but but Donald Trump is at least like his rhetoric is at least resp- partly responsible right. for this type of shit because he keeps putting out the message mm-hmm. uh, that violence is a way to solve political disagreements. And again, there is no. There is no denying when it comes to the, you know, CNN sucks. And granted, I mean, I watch CNN sometimes. Some of it, sometimes it does suck. But you know what? It's not appropriate for the president of the United States to to call media enemy of the people. All that stuff is coming home to roost. We have to be very careful, especially now that he seems to be fully embracing nationalism, fully embracing. Mm. Now, he it's it's interesting. We can talk about that, and we'll talk about the phone. It's interesting his response as media is like, so, Mr. Trump, you understand nationalism, uh, maybe white nationalism, the connotation of white nationalism, what this means. And he says, I don't even think about that. I, just, I love the country. I'm a nationalist. And it's one of those things where he is so uneducated and so he has such a lack of interest in history that you almost want to give him the benefit of the doubt and be like, yeah, maybe he doesn't. But then, of course, he shouldn't be president. Yeah. And number two, he absolutely does, because if you go back to 1999, and all of us love to go back to 1999, mm-hmm. um, when he's talking about David Duke, he's talking about how David Duke is a racist. Pat Buchanan uh, was running with the Reform Party at the time, talking about how Pat Buchanan is a white nationalist, all of this stuff. David, I mean, he denounced all of these people. Um, publicly because, uh, you know, that was what he that's what he thought at the time. So he knows what all of these terms mean. He knows that David Duke is a big follower. He knows uh, the Proud Boys, this alt-right movement. He knows there's a huge Venn diagram of white nationalism within that community and within his core base, specifically um, in, uh, you know, the more rural areas. He completely understands that. So We'll see if this if it backfires or whatever it does. Um, but he he understands when he says nationalist that he's channeling and basically just speaking to the Alex Jones audience. Yeah. And I'm not saying everyone who listens to Alex Jones is a white nationalist. But when we talk about globalist, Alex Jones, that kind of wing, 
of uh, uh, conservative thought. They talk about globalism all the time uh, as if it's the biggest issue uh, in the world. It comes, uh, I mean, the the words globalist, nationalist, this all is born in the conspiracy theory community. Right. Uh, you know, going back to Alex Jones, you know, and even going back to, you know, guys uh, like Bill Cooper. Uh, that you know, that the word globalist had uh, definitely had its roots in a uh, conspiracy theory. Uh, but now uh, we're living in a world where conspiracy theory is mainstream. You know, totally it's, mainstream. It's, it's absolutely. I mean, it's something that we talk about on last podcast that we've been right. talking about a lot uh, over the last years. That conspiracy theory is is officially uh, mainstream narrative. Totally, like the, the words false flag uh, were not a part of the mainstream media narrative. Like back when uh, the Boston, when the yeah, when the Boston Marathon. On bombing happened. Uh, when was that? About th- five years ago. Four, Something like that. Yeah. Four or five years ago. Uh, false flag. Uh, that was an absolute joke. Right. Like, of course, like the main the the news media looked at that and like, what are these guys talking about? Like, this is insane. This is crazy. Of course, this isn't some this isn't some sort of uh, plot uh, against yeah. the United States, but perpetrated by uh, the government. Um, honestly, but now it's the but now you know you have all these bombs uh, sent to prominent Democrats and false flag is um Immediately assumed. Ma- it's on. It's not only assume. It's automatically accepted. Right. Like that. Right. That. Like it is automatic. It's not even assumed. I mean, it is automatically accepted. It's like that's a Democrat fal- false flag. That's exactly what that is. That is a, a total and complete I've false flag. I've seen that before. Yeah. yeah and exactly. So far, uh, I think my my favorite reasoning uh, for this being a false flag was uh, when ter- when liberals are uh, terrorists, they use bombs. Ah. Which like kinda, the weather underground. Yeah. Like the weather underground. But like, what t- about all? What about that little bombing in uh, in Montgomery? Yeah, during the, you know, what <laughs> yeah, about that, that that killed the four girls? Church, and, church bombing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about that? What, what about that one? But no, I mean, that's it's, crazy. No, no, it's, yeah. Liberals use bombs. Conservatives. They use guns. Cool. Oh, <laughs> Except man. Except for the guy that shot Steve Calise. He was a Scalise. He was a liberal. He used a gun, but he's an outlier. Every other liberal uh. Uh, uses bombs. Instead of saying, you know, and that's the thing is that, yeah, left-wing terrorism used to be a much bigger problem than it is now. I mean, and there we was, denounced that 100%. We denounced that 1,000%. Like, uh, bombings by liberals during the Vietnam era, uh, that shit is not talked about. It was very prevalent it during was. the Vietnam era. Uh left-wing terrorism was was hugely prevalent and Man, it was that, somewhat uh, prevalent in the 90s terrible. as well but uh ever since uh 9-11 uh terrorism is uh, a domestic terrorism terrorism in the united states and not even back to 9-11 let's say oh 1994 or 1996 timothy uh, mcveigh oklahoma timothy city McVeigh, of course McVeigh, like right-wing terrorism is uh or terrorism domestic much, much more than you it does what? in the left wing in modern times. To channel my inner Donald Trump, instead of there's good people on both sides, I'll say there's crazy people on both sides. There's absolutely crazy um, people on course, both sides, but the right about, wing is much more likely to take that craziness to violence. Um, and if you look at the, uh, of course, the uh, abortion clinic bombings, all yes. these kinds of things, it's been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, it, it never is the answer. Uh, pipe bombing is never a solution to any uh, uh, to any problem, and obviously, uh, who knows what's going to happen here uh, with this case. So let's just talk about the final thing here today: Donald Trump using his personal cell phone, and his aides have been 
asking him, being like, yo, dude, stop with the cell phone already, please. It's not secure. It's not just AIDS. It is the Secret Service. It's it is everyone. intelligence agencies. It's people who we should be do- listening to. So uh, this is an article was now released, and I believe these sources, they're, they're within the White House, and they talk about how Donald Trump is being listened to and spied on by the Russians and by the Chinese. They're obviously uh, recording everything that they hear. He talks a lot with Steve Wynn, the uh, the casino magnate uh, who had to resign because of an immense amount of sexual misconduct accusations. He talks to his wealthy buddies all over the world. And the fact that Donald Trump is still soliciting these locker up chants um, because Hillary Clinton used a private email server is ironic to say the least. So Mr. Trump's use of his iPhones was detailed by several current and former officials who spoke. Uh, they were anonymous when they spoke. And I really, again, I hate anonymous, yeah. but it is what it is. American spy agencies, the official said, had learned that China and Russia were eavesdropping on the president's cell phone calls from human sources inside foreign governments and intercepting communications between foreign officials. On Thursday morning, Mr. Trump said that this article, God, I can't believe we are, this is, I can't believe these are the times we're living in, and this is what we have to listen to from our president. This is what Donald Trump said about the article, some of which I just read to you. He said it's so wrong. That's so with four O's wrong. You can't, what is going on? So the current and former officials said they have also determined that China is seeking to use what what uh, it is learning from the calls, how Mr. Trump thinks, what arguments tend to sway him, and to whom he is inclined to listen to to keep a trade war with the United States from escalating further. This is so basically Donald Trump, he is going to be hearing what's going to happen here. How does this play out? In real life, he is going to, they are going to find out who he listens to, maybe a Steve Wynn, who the heck knows, and they are going to implant their ideas in the minds of his of trusted associates. And then those trusted associates, whether unbeknownst to them or not, uh, maybe they know that they're actually going to be aiding and abetting the Russians or the Chinese, they are going to, for all intents and purposes, be reiterating the Chinese rhetoric and the, and the Russian rhetoric and what their government wants to tell Donald Trump, they are going to have his friends be the carrier pigeons for this information. It's you can't underestimate the intelligence of the Kremlin and the intelligence of the Chinese when it comes to secret service, when it comes to eavesdropping. No one does it better than the Russians and the Chinese. So that's their plan. Donald Trump, it's not like, you know, it's not uh, – some spy book or some spy um, movie where you have a Russian in there who's speaking Russian and actively, you know, trying to uh, sway the president in one way or another. It could be Jared Kushner for all we know. It could be anyone. I mean, look what happens now with Saudi Arabia. Kushner being very close uh, with Bin Salman. I mean, it, who knows who's going to be the delivery person for the messages from these foreign governments that is then going to resonate with Donald Trump and impact his foreign policy. So when we talk about globalists, all this nonsense, we are it's a globalist society. Yeah. And the idea it's done. that we, it happened, it happened bec- yeah, with technology. A couple of world wars brought us together at the end. Had to happen. 
So this idea of isolationism, nationalism, uh, recusing yourself from the world stage, it doesn't matter. It's not possible. We're in it. We are still the number one superpower. Uh, <laughs> we're working on quickly dropping down yeah, uh, actively. Um, so that's what that means. When you hear like they're getting information, they're understanding Donald Trump, it's not going to be perhaps, I don't think we're going, going to hear something like an Access Hollywood tape. It's going to be more them gathering information. What does the dude actually think? I think we kind of know what he actually thinks um, because he's, uh, again, uh, extremely transparent in my opinion. But they're going to see what makes him tick. How do you actually get in his good graces? I, my personal opinion, it's fairly obvious. You give him a little fluff. You just flatter him. You, you just flatter you just him a little bit. Ball, tickle his balls a little bit. Yep. Tell him how great he is, and then he'll call you the greatest human being on earth. Whether it's every Kim Jong-un. Di- every dictator in the world yep. has already figured that one out. It's pretty easy. So this is a big deal, and the the irony, again, cannot be understated. And Donald Trump is putting our nation at risk, national security at risk, and he is aiding and abetting the enemy, which is Russia, Chinese, the Chinese to some degree, and he is giving them a treasure trove of information, and they're going to be able to manipulate him with all of their abilities. Uh, Putin is a mastermind of manipulation. That's you don't get be you don't get to be the head of the KGB without knowing how to do that. And our secret service, our intelligence agencies are all telling Donald Trump, his the people who are employed in the White House, all telling him to put down the damn phone. And he refuses to do it because, according to Marcus Parks, that's where he keeps his contacts. <laughs> and he not his, he literally, you can you can take those contacts off of the phone, uh-huh. put it onto another phone. That's what you got interns for. Yes. <laughs> but he's a 72-year-old man. And he doesn't quite understand yeah. that, apparently. So, well, I mean, he's dealing with intelligence officials, uh, brilliant people. Like he never the, the sides pe- with them, though. The, well, I'm talking about the Russians and the Chinese. Oh, sure. Uh, the Russians and the Chinese. The people that are listening in to these phone calls, these are brilliant, brilliant people. Uh, And uh, Donald Trump, needless to say, is not a brilliant person. Uh, He's shrewd. Uh, he's clever at times. He knows how to manipulate people. He is manipulator. Uh, he yeah. is a, he's a very good manipulator. Uh, either that or he's the luckiest son of a bitch alive and just kind of keeps stumbling. He's Chauncey Gardner or he's a master manipulator. It's one of the two. Right. Uh, but he um, he's dealing with uh, brilliant people that know that are going to know how to turn his conversations to their advantage uh, in ways that he won't be able to see coming. Subtle ways. You know, so they can they can form policies in their own countries based on the conversations that he has. And and these are policies that are going to uh, it's going to be stuff that we cannot defend against like things that we can't predict in any way whatsoever it's you just a, don't want to you don't want to give the information you don't want to give no. uh your competitors uh information no, any information whatsoever he's giving them a going back to the football you don't give the opposing team your offensive playbook uh or your defensive playbook and that's exactly uh what's happening right now and again just going back to that globalist a trade war is still globalist uh renegotiating after it's still globalist it's such a crazy idea idea um, that somehow globalism is a bad thing. Globalism actually, in many ways, there's less starvation than ever before. Um, There is, it's got some issues, but there are a lot of places that were formerly uh, 
full of bloodshed are uh, better off than they were um, because of, of uh, globalism. It's not a perfect thing by any stretch of the imagination, as we're seeing with the migrant caravan rolling through. But I just want to read one more little piece here from this article. Uh, China's efforts is a 21st century version of what officials uh, there have been doing for many decades, which is trying to influence American leaders by cultivating an informal network of prominent business people and academics who can be sold on ideas and policy prescriptions and then carry them uh, to the White House. And Donald Trump, he loves his business people. Yeah. He fancies himself as one of them, despite the fact that his businesses didn't really do that well. But he's good at he's good at selling the name. Yeah, he is. And one more thing about like globalism, and we're definitely not saying that globalism is a one hundred percent good thing. I mean, globalism allows people to get fucked over every single day. It allows yeah. corporations to take jobs uh, overseas. Uh, it allows them uh, to pay it to workers like less than nothing, uh, just so they can so the people at the top can uh, reap all the benefits. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, it allows millionaires and billionaires to put all of their money uh, overseas so they don't pay taxes on it and it places the tax burden on uh, the middle and the lower class. Right. Uh, this is like we're definitely not saying that globalism uh, is 100 percent a good thing. But the fact is, is that it happened. It's not, not going back. Not, it's not going back. Right, but he's not curbing that no, negative not, aspect. That's the thing. He's not curbing yeah, so, the negative aspect because we right. all know it when they say globalist, we know what they mean. Nationalist. They're, no, they mean Jewish. Like when they say oh. glo- globalist, it's all about. It's I don't even all- think that. So you think that means uh, that's what they say? Oh, global- Alice, you, that oh, means the, Jewish from the Alex jo- like it's a Zionist thing. Like oh. from the it, because you know the the Alex Jones little dog whistle there. It's, oh, globalist is one of the biggest cons- uh, conspiracy theory uh, dog whistles that hmm. there are. Like globalist has long been interchangeable with Zionist. Oh. You know the international Zionist conspiracy. Sure, uh, it's another white nationalism thing. Right. Right, uh, I mean, right. and I know not everyone who says globalist means that, uh, but globalist is definitely uh, a big dog whistle that is becoming more and more popular every single day because hmm. the white nationalist, because the nationalist uh, movement have been, they're, they're starting to become more and more anti-Semitic every day. It's pretty much anybody who isn't white is now being maligned, except hmm. for, you know, the Proud Boys, they've got their, you know, good ones. Oh. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's getting more and more. The conspiracy theory uh, thought is getting pushed into the mainstream more and more every day. And well, globalist and Zionist is pretty much the same thing these days. I'm an advocate for open markets, fair trade, and free trade. It can definitely be uh, fairer, and that has to happen. Of course it can be. And the market can make that happen. It can, of course. As, as soon as it, uh, whenever it decides. But yeah, so he's not even taking on the negative aspects of globalism. He is not no. taking on those. No, he's not. He's fully in bed with all those people um, who are, again, having all their cash offshore and taking your jabs. Yes. Um, and of course, automation is the ultimate uh, enemy here. But we don't have to do that right now. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, again, November 6th, get out there and vote if you got a chance to. If your employer says you can't leave. I, I don't know. I, I That's actually a very difficult decision. It's technically illegal, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you gonna get, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. that's the thing is that when your employer tells you that you can't leave, it's not like these are the types of people that can hire lawyers to get their jobs back. No. You know, it's a, they, they are left with they're left with no recourse. Unless and, the government officially makes uh, voting day a holiday, uh, then ooh. that's nothing's ever going to change. They should call it Christmas. <laughs> um, all right. Yes. Uh, 
Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, find me on Instagram at BenKissel1. And uh, you can DM me and stuff. Let me hear your thoughts. And uh, yes, of course, I'm sure we made some mistakes. I don't know. We'll make some, we'll make some corrections. Sure. That's the great thing about corrections. Great. Marcus Parks, Ben Kissel. Thank you all so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Hail yourselves. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help. And yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost.